Misha Koyashi, the director of the Emoto Peace Project, says we have 60 to 80,000 emotional episodes a day. 80% of them are negative. Probably more these days. There's so much negativity, it's ridiculous. Fear is not how we heal people, so stop being afraid. We need to practice joy every day. At least 10 minutes. Watch your health change. You've earned it and you deserve it. Greetings in love, all you beautiful humans. It's Ben Hardy, co-host of the Terrain Theory Podcast. One of the fundamental questions we ask on this podcast is, if viruses don't make us ill, what does? Many of our past guests have brought their answers to that question. And in many cases, we've seen similarities, overlaps, echoes. You might also recall our conversation with Jacinta Nesens, wife of Gaston Nesens, the giant in the terrain space who discovered the somatid and was able to diagnose a person just by looking at the somatid's life cycle in the blood. Well, today's guests are the sons of a man whose life work built upon the foundations laid by Nesens and Reif and Beichamp. Adam and Josh Biggleson are the brains behind the Biggleson Academy, an organization dedicated to furthering the work of their father, Harvey Biggleson, who was an advocate for holistic medicine, homeopathy, and of course, the terrain. In this conversation with Adam and Josh, we discussed their father's legacy, the work being done at the academy, and how a simple examination of one's blood can point you to the root cause of disease or illness. Spoiler alert, it's not the germs. Before we get going, just a quick word of thanks to you all for your support, the reviews you're leaving on podcast platforms, and for sending notes, emails, love. We appreciate you all. All right, on to the Bigglesons and into the blood. Welcome back to Terrain Theory. Okay, we are live. Adam Biggleson, Josh Biggleson, welcome to the Terrain Theory Podcast. Thank you. For us. Tell us about the work being done at the Academy. Work being done at the Academy. Wow, are we working, Josh? Are we doing something? <laughs> Josh doesn't work. He does nothing. <laughs> we're doing, we're having a good time. You know, what we do these days is we are here to educate and empower people so they can learn to take charge of their health care. Um, dad did some pretty amazing things. He left us with some pretty amazing work. And at this point, you know, Josh and I are not doctors. Um, we educate people as to what we see in the blood. And then we educate them as to practitioners, therapies, modalities that we have seen success with other people in similar circumstances. That's how we have to word things, right? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we do cool things. We're doing webinars. We have a school of health. So we do two webinars a month and we interview people. We met a lot of interesting people with the dad experience. And we're doing a training course, a terrain course based on our dad's book. Uh, we're doing some retreats. We do our educational consultations. We are doing whatever we can to make ourselves accessible to people, to generate awareness about what we've learned. Because the reality is the terrain is all. You know, the things that Josh and I say, we say this a lot in our presentations, what we say is not what we think. It's what we know from repeated experience. You know, dad did this he, 40 years. He was into the terrain experience, 30 years with the microscope. Uh, it's all about patterns and patterns. And we have seen patterns over decades. So we educate. Right, Josh? Absolutely. It's all about the education these days. You know, there's so much information out there, the majority of which seems to be wrong. 
you know, I felt like over the last bunch of years, I actually got dumber listening to people talk about health, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is why I kind of stray more towards the farmers and things like that these days. Um, but the education is, is so important. And I remember dad always liked to look when he was being interviewed right at the camera and say that healthcare is our responsibility. We can blame everybody else, but evidently it comes down to us taking care of ourselves, but we can't take care of ourselves. We don't understand how the body works. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to educate people on how the body works so they can start to take accountability for their own healthcare, as opposed to relying on the so-called experts out there. Yeah. The line we'd like to use is uh, that you are your primary healthcare provider. Absolutely. Can you can you then tell us a little bit about the the work of your father? And because this is a big part of the the education that you're doing, and it's really kind of applying what he discovered uh, to to health, right? To the to the health of the folks that come to you for consultations. Yeah, it's a cool thing, uh, Josh. I want you to mention this for a second. You know, at one point, uh, I think it was Tom Cowan asked us, uh, "When did the terrain start for you?" And Josh, what was your answer for that one? never really know anything different. This is just something we kind of grew up in. So for this whole terrain thing to come up the last couple of years, it was just something that we had always known. We'd always lived, you know, we'd always preached. Um, so there was never a day when it started. It was just kind of what I was, I was born into. And yeah, were those, up, was that the word that good. you would use? Sorry to interrupt you, but was it, was it known as terrain as you were growing up? Well, you know, he no. always talked about the terrain. <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. He talked, talked about, about the terrain, but the work was, yeah, go ahead, Josh. I mean, I worked in the clinics, you know, so I got to work with dad over the years when he, you know, was working with clients one-on-ones, cancer clinics and things like that. So, yeah, he did use the word terrain a lot. It was about your internal terrain, you know, your external terrain. It was never a theory. It just was, you know, and Adam's trying to get this whole movement. It's not a terrain theory. It's a germ theory because it's never been proven. It's a terrain paradigm because it's already been proven over and over and over again. The laws of nature. And yeah, for the patients, um, yeah, it was part of our, it was part of our language. Okay. We did, though, you know, as dad was a pioneer, at one point it was biological medicine. Uh, we were doing hemobiographic analysis. You know, he was a pioneer. So there was a lot of uncharted territory. But it came back to, was it Claude Bernard? It's the milieu, the terrain. That's is where it started with him. You know, and dad's journey was very unique because he was an eye surgeon. He was a trauma surgeon in Vietnam. Uh, his brain was very high functioning. We tell the one story of they gave him the math placement test in fourth grade. And he did by accident the, the 12th grade test and got 100% without showing any work. So, of course, they accuse him of cheating. They give him another test and he gets 100% without showing any work. The man's wow. brain was different than ours. Yeah, I mean, Josh and I and our sister Lila, we all cried as kids with dad trying to help us with our math homework. We just <laughs> didn't get it the way he did. But he saw patterns. You know, he saw uh, Vietnam, he saw lies of his government. He said he was in medical school and he would ask questions and they would tell him to read the book. And he would say, I think the book is wrong. <laughs> you know, the first year they taught him what a normal body was and the second year what a diseased body, but they never taught him how one became the other. Yeah. So he questioned his education. He questioned his government. When he was in Vietnam, his hospital had a 98% survival rate and he came back to the United States and they're not getting those survival rates in, you know, hospitals that are not at a time of war. So he questioned all that. He questioned a lot. And then he found answers, which was really cool. You know, he was in his 30s. We were in Princeton, New Jersey. He was a rich eye surgeon. We had the Porsche and the Jaguar. And we didn't have art on our walls. We had artists paint on our walls, you know. And he had the big white suit, looked like Sonny Bono, you know, from Sonny and Cher and (laughs) the fondue tables. And so at one point, though, he was near suicidal. He was not happy. 
he wanted to help people and it wasn't working for him. So he found a different way. And it was ironically a psychic. Uh, he's not into these things, but he's got the money and, you know, happy wife, happy life. Mom goes to a psychic. Dad thinks that's weird. But he says to our father, I need to, or he says to our mother, I need to meet your husband. We need to talk. And he introduced dad to the work, to the work of Edgar Casey. And dad studied Edgar Casey's medical readings, all of them. And he learned some things from Edgar Casey. He found a new way and he really, he took a big cut in pay, which wasn't cool for us. <laughs> um, I wanted the Jaguar and the Porsche, you know, uh, <laughs> And I actually, I grew up in some of the old world. So dad was fat and unhealthy and Captain Crunch, you know, and woohoo. Um, <laughs> the next thing you know, I'm eating grape nuts and carob. And carob is a bad lie you tell children. It's not chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so happy. You know, I remember him as a kid coming home and I had this patient and this happened and we did this and we tried this and this happened. I remember asking him once like muscular dystrophy. Hey, dad. You're working with that? And he said, yeah. I said, tell Jerry Lewis with the telethon. He said, Jerry Lewis doesn't care. What? He's like, then he won't have a job. Uh, our, our operating was very different. You know, I remember going to the osteopath when I was 12 and thinking, what the hell is this about? And then going, wow, this is great. And then I went to school the next day as a 12-year-old. I said to my friends, you know when you go to the osteopath and blah, blah, blah. And they looked at me like I was an alien. <laughs> you know, and Josh and I, we, go ahead, Josh. On right there because um, the biggest thing that dad got from Edgar Casey, and dad was very left brain extremely left brain like everything was you know he was spock <laughs> everything yeah. had to be logical there had to be an answer for everything so for him to even go to a psychic was, was elite um, Edgar Casey is obviously a unique individual too so he started to study all of his medicinal readings and the thing he recommended the most was osteopathy almost every time he incorporated osteopathy so dad started to incorporate the structure of the body into his work because he wasn't taught how the car was aligned in medical school yeah. Right. You know, they teach you that you've got the cardiologist, the pulmonologist, and they teach you they don't things don't even work together. Right. Everything is so damn specialized. Right. So we started to incorporate osteopathy, just simply align on the damn car. You know, if the car is not aligned, it doesn't matter what kind of gasoline you put into it. It's not going to drive straight. And all of a sudden he started to get different results and started to go on a different path. And then he started getting into homeopathy. He started to get into acupuncture and all the divine philosophies, as he would call it, until it finally he found homotoxicology which not a whole lot of doctors out there know about it, but it talks about the progression of disease, you know, how disease works and how we heal, you know, in the, in the exact reverse process. But Edgar Casey taught him about the structure of the body and he always had osteopaths in the clinics with him after that. And it made a huge, huge, huge difference. How, how does osteopathy relate to chiropractic? Are they related? Um, uh, chiropractic is an offshoot of osteopathy. Okay. Uh, and these days they all do so many different things, but in, in general, the traditionally classically trained osteopath would deal with the attachments to the bones, right? So they would work on the attachments and the bones would slide back into place. Yep. The initial chiropractor would just deal with the bones and they would try to force that bone back into place. And that's why you have to see them three times a week because the attachments would pull the bones back out of place. Right. But chiropractors are starting to, starting to incorporate a lot of different things. So they've come a long, long way since then. But initially... Yeah, the cranial osteopath does with the attachments. The chiropractor dealt with the bones. Um, so we were raised, you know, more along osteopathic lines. Um, that being said, these days we don't care what aligns your body as long as it works. If somebody wants to wave chicken bones over you, you know, and it gets <laughs> the hip aligned, then that's fine by us. Sure. You know? um, but yeah, we we were introduced to osteopathy at a young age, and, and it made a huge difference in our lives as well as the lives of dad's clients. Amazing. And so let's let's continue that thread then. Um, when when does he start really getting into the blood? 
That's well. So with dad, yeah, with dad, um, he was doing stuff with the eye surgery. It wasn't going the way he wanted it to go. Um, he actually had a patient come to him for a consultation, and he recommended what he always recommends: surgery. And the patient said, "I'm going to go try this alternative thing," and the patient did, and the patient got better. So dad wanted to know about it. He learned this unique procedure. Um, they push the eyeball to the side, inject some natural things behind the eyeball. <coughs> and dad had another patient came in, same issue. Uh, he did, he was all excited, did the new procedure, fixed the patient. Patient was so excited. She went back to all of the five doctors previous that she went to that couldn't help her and said, oh, this is great. Look what happened. He fixed me. And all five of those doctors turned our father into the medical board. Mm. Okay. They weren't, they, it wasn't about curing the person. So dad was, he was a little, he didn't know what to do with his life. He finds the Edgar Casey Clinic in Arizona and he gets out to Arizona. He finds a whole new way of life, which is great. Uh, and he's doing awesome things. He's meeting people. He's getting to, he's getting results. Um, he did, he created the medical board, the American Homeopathic Holistic Medical Association, AMHA. And he gave out the first homeopathic medical licenses in the United States. Hmm. Now he's doing great things. And then at one point, Burton Goldberg, who was a politician, Josh, yes. Uh, takes takes him, I think he was a politician, takes dad and several people on a trip around the world to see alternative therapies in other places. And then dad ends up in Gaston Nason's office up in Canada. All right. I'm getting chills on this one. Thank you guys for bringing Yacint onto the show because we didn't even know she was out there. Hmm. And uh, yes, so we're in communication and fingers crossed. So thank you guys for that. But dad was there. He looked into this microscope with Gaston Nissan's and he saw things alive. He had never seen that in medical school. They don't do it. They stain the blood and they fix it for immortality. You can always go back and look at that slide. He got chills. He said, I need to know this. So he went back. He was with Nissan's once. He went back home. He says, I need to get this microscope. I need to do this. And I got sick. I was going to college in a week and I got mononucleosis so bad I was showing minor signs of hepatitis. And dad found a German doctor living on an Indian reservation that uses the microscope. Okay. This is Dr. Friedrich Plogue. Friedrich Plogue actually flew in the Luftwaffe. He flew in Hitler's Air Force. Okay. And he's now working with Dr. Harvey Biggleson, the Brooklyn Jewish guy from, you know, right? And I'm, this is so surreal. All right. This man comes into the office. I can't breathe. I just want someone to cut a hole in my throat. Yeah. And he takes blood for me, this big, huge syringe. He mixes it with remedies. He did look at my blood with the microscope. Uh, he had me hold the needle, the syringe in my hand and think happy thoughts. And he <laughs> shot it with a laser, you know, and he injected uh, into my tonsils. I mean, I vividly, I can see this right now saying, ah, needle this big, like four or five inches long. <clears throat> Uh, my dad, the Jewish guy on the right side, ex-Nazi on the left side, you know, <laughs> here comes the needle, injects my tonsils, <clears throat> injects part of the remedy into my butt. He says to my dad, your son will be fine. Next day, my white count is down. My tonsils are normal colored. I can breathe. A week later, I go off to college. All right. It's like this miracle experience. And dad says to Dr. Plogue, you're going to come work in my office. So Plogue works in the office and all of a sudden the cast of Dallas and Dynasty are coming to see him because they know Dr. Plogue and they follow him around when it's awards showtime. They go to him for rejuvenative therapies and he makes them look younger and prettier. So Plogue doesn't share a lot of his information, but dad studies the work after hours. You know, uh, Dr. Plogue eventually goes back to Berlin when the wall comes down in Germany to find his family. 
And dad's lost. My phone. You know, he doesn't know what to do. He has this microscope. And we don't believe in coincidences. Um, In the office walks this four foot tall German woman with red hair, high heels, a cape, and a diamond encrusted cigarette holder. And she says, I am here. We have no idea who this woman is, right? <laughs> this is Silke Friedrich. She happens to do the microscope. Interesting. Well, she works with dad. Dad's thrilled. And she was a trip, okay? She tells dad stories of working on the Pope's children. I didn't know the Pope had children. <laughs> she worked with Castro and his cancer, like crazy stories. But she works with dad to the point where they're working together. Patient in the middle, dad one side, Silke the other side. Oh, we lost Josh. Um, Silk on one side, dad on the other side. And dad would look in the microscope and ask questions. Uh, is it your stomach? How's that? And she would kind of shake her head. Uh, how about your, how's your breathing? And she would shake her head. Um, how's your, how's your, uh, you get a lot of headaches? And she starts pulling on her ear. So she's coaching him. At one point she says to the patient, when did you break your arm? And he says to her, I didn't tell you I broke my arm. So dad says, can you excuse us? I need to talk to the doctor. And he says, how the hell did you know that? And she points in the microscope and there's an image that looks like a broken arm. Now, dad doesn't believe this. Dad is a skeptic. There's two types of skeptics. One that's a jerk. One that wants to see for themselves, right? So dad goes, okay, weird. She does this for over a year. And what they end up doing is addressing what they see in the blood and things are changing. They're getting results. Okay. And dad was thrilled, but he's a skeptic. He doesn't do this. And he would say this. If you want to learn this, listen, people out there with your new microscopes. If you want to learn this, you observe the blood and you observe the body and you observe people for at least a year before you say anything to anyone about what you're seeing. Hmm. All right. Now, if you notice, if you look at some of the recent people that are sharing the dark field images, some of those people have less than two years of experience. Right. And wow, the world is listening. People, we've had over 30 years of experience with this. Josh, Sorry, my, my computer froze there for a bit. Um, and they took a four day class to learn that, you know, yeah. so it, it's apparent these days that the dark field my father learned is very, very different than what's being taught out there. Okay. You know, we, we yeah. had investigators try to track down these two teachers. You really can't find anything about them, um, but it's very obvious that we took a different path. He took a different path than what's being taught out there. Okay. So we're really trying hard to distance ourselves from the live cell community because there's a lot of inconsistencies it's not what we were taught very different philosophies and very different trainings were involved um Mm -hmm. dad always thought that he was a third person in the united states to the dark field first was royal rife second was virginia livingston wheeler and he was the third one um but yeah it's it's obvious these days that we were taught differently (laughs) than what's being taught out there absolutely well, and we're learning more, you know, even with Naysan's and that experience, dad was there for a day. It triggered something. He learned from people we don't know where they learned. We're pretty convinced it was from Holocaust, that they were experimenting on our relatives, you know. Yeah. And the irony of how one of the most horrible things in history comes one of the most amazing things as far as us learning about our bodies and our health and surviving with this earth. Wow. You know, but it's, it has been an interesting journey for us with that. What dad does and what dad did, he did not believe initially. He took the time and he observed patterns over a long period of time. And that's what it's about, guys, removing inconsistencies. You're left with the truth. Okay. So dad saw things differently. He got attacked for it. He was excited. He shared with the world. He went on the radio in the 80s, you know, like uh, terrestrial radio before internet and said, 
100% guaranteed cure for prostate cancer and breast cancer. And you think he'd be famous because he was crazy, but he was doing it. You know, so they tried to shut him down. He was on Dateline in the 90s. They interviewed him for four hours. Uh, awesome interview. When you saw him on TV, they had three segments. One was a person who had seen dad as a patient and died eventually. The second one was undercover reporter going into a homeopath because homeopaths are quacks going in with someone who has nothing wrong with them. And they're going to say, watch, the homeopath is going to diagnose them with stuff. It was staged. You have death. You have quack and Dr. Biggleson. You make the connection. Yeah. NBC got, and this was when there was only five networks. Remember those days where you got, how old yeah. are you guys? <laughs> Way yeah. back. So NBC got some of the most negative publicity in their history due to that show. Hmm. After that, all of a sudden, Phil Donahue had Lindsay Wagner on. Suzanne Summers started talking about health and different things. People started coming out of the woodworks because this was true work. You know, people can't just go, I believe Dr. Biggleson because, well, they attack him. They're going to come after you, too. You know, but dad fought. Dad fought for his country in Vietnam and he fought against his country for our health freedom. Hmm. And there are people that didn't even realize that. Renette Senum is she's uh, she was a friend of ours and uh, she was in Nevada City where our clinics were. She's running for mayor or governor of California. And she said, I never even knew about health freedom. You know, this is a new thing. This is a big deal. What's going on these days? We're really grateful. Honestly, I'm grateful for what's going on health wise because the world now knows that. There's nothing more important Sorry. than their health. Nonstop. Um, it's an important point, too, um, because dad fought for people's health care. And it was apparent over the last bunch of years that people didn't fight for their own health care. And that's why we got into the situation that we got into. All right. Nobody fought for dad. He fought for himself and he fought for everybody else's health rights. And when it came down to it, there was nobody there to help him. So yeah. part of this is a plea to the people out there. If you have practitioners who are helping people, Inevitably, if they're helping people and not using the norm, they're going to get attacked most likely. It's up to the people to stand up for those practitioners. Because in the past, we've failed. All right. The Bechamps, the Lamarcks, you know, Steiner, his name is still being dragged in the mud these days, even though he has a huge following. It's up to the people to carry on the work of these people. So sorry, it's an, I'm very passionate about this. If you have somebody who's out there helping people and they're getting attacked, it's up to the people to stand up for them. It's not up to that person to stand up for themselves. Very important. Yeah. Josh has a little delay. So Josh, anytime jump in, I usually roll and Josh interrupts. <laughs> That's how we go. Um, but yes, yeah, so wherever I was going with that, it's just been, it's been an interesting journey for us. What we really want to do is work with people and share information. And I think the reality too, of the past three years is uh, we don't need doctors the way they've told us, you know, and dad, his doctors from harmful than germs books talk, uh, talks about trauma surgeons are awesome. Paramedics are awesome. You know, but when they start to think and do exploratory stuff, that's not cool. Um, your body's not designed to be scarred. It's not designed to be opened up. And the reality is we can do so much for ourselves. So I think part of what went on recently, what went on is we made doctors heroes because they're losing their grip hold on the whole experience. We don't need them for most things, but we need to be a part of the solution. People would say, see dad and say, fix me, doc. And dad would say, no, 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 no. I don't fix anybody. You've been a part of the problem. You need to be a part of the solution. And the unfortunate thing with dad's clinic, which was interesting, was that, um, yeah, that's funny. Josh texting me said, I need to breathe. <laughs> breathe. We have a short amount of time. I want to get it all in. <laughs> I'll breathe. Uh, yes, I'll breathe. Um, dad, <laughs> should I breathe? Okay, I can breathe. Um, and I forgot what I was saying since you texted me, Josh. Moving the phone away. <laughs> um, 
Where was I'll I going? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny. I was going there. The train almost got there. Um, well, no, that was what I was going to say was in the end, uh, with the last few years, dad would have been very sad that he helped so many people. Cancer. I heard you guys last time. You want to know about cancer? We'll tell you all about it. Um, those people that got cured by dad, they didn't. They were part of the solution. And then the pandemic happened and a lot of them showed up taking that damn substance, you know, which is one reason these days, Josh is, you know, I'm a people person. I love people. Josh has worked behind the scenes with dad for 15 to 20 years. People listened. They didn't get it. They didn't hear it. You know, he's a little tired and a little burnt out at this point in time. And I'm just getting excited about it. So the two of us are funny. You know, I'm, I'm running and going, let's go. Josh is like, oh, I'm tired of that stupid game. <laughs> But the thing is, this information, if you guys read the holographic blood book, Doctors are More Harmful Than Germs, you'll never think the same again. And it's not just that. You're going to learn. And you're going to start to observe. We've said this a lot, Josh and I. The terrain is not a theory. These are the laws of nature. And if you want to learn, look. Look at nature. People would ask Dad questions, and he was so funny. What about juicing, Dr. B? Well, that's interesting. I've never seen a deer juicing in the woods. <laughs> okay, chiropractic. I've never seen a deer give another deer a chiropractic treatment. I've never seen a deer give another deer a colonic. <laughs> All right. They do different things in nature. A deer doesn't have the job stress we have or doesn't eat out of a microwave, you know, things like that. So there's definitely a difference there. But the reality is we are so much a part of nature. It is amazing. And when you start to look at life and health through the lens and the perspective of the terrain, the answers are there. I mean, it's, it's amazing. These people before us, you know, Béchamp, Béchamp, Claude Bernard, these guys were awesome. I mean, I, do, do we drink the cholera? You know, it's like these things are not going to affect us. People are funny because they'll yell at us. Well, you don't know. And you have your experience and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, a pandemic, you give me someone who tests positive. If she's pretty, my girlfriend's given me permission to make out with her for an extended <laughs> period of time. <laughs> I will not get it. Okay. This terrain is, my biofield is much more impermeable than most because I work on my physical body, my energetic body. I work on my emotional experience and the spiritual experience. I believe I can be better and I can be in a better spot. This is the integrative holistic experience, right? Life well, is going to hit you physically. Go ahead, Josh. A lot, you know, I've been working a lot with regenerative farmers in the last couple of years. And, you know, dad always used, compared, you know, our internal terrain with the soil. It's our internal soil. And, you know, the conclusion that I've come to, the microbiology works the same in the soil as it does in our body. It's the same. All right. So they traveled the world, these couple of regenerative agriculturists, and they never found one truly deficient soil. In all of their travels, never one soil did they see that was truly deficient in nutrients. The nutrients were always there. What was deficient was the microbiology, all right? You need the microbiology to process the nutrients. The nutrients were bound in the soil. The soil could not utilize it. So they got rid of all the life. The nutrients were still there. It's the same thing in our body. Every farmer believes a worm in your soil is good for you. Why is that different in our body? Mm. It's not. All right. The parasites are doing very specific in the soil. All right. They're cleaning the soil. They're actually processing the bacteria so we can process the nutrients for the soil on a much higher scale. Same thing goes on in our body. We get a stagnation. The body creates very specific bacteria to do a very specific job. If we don't fix the stagnation, things become out of balance. This is what they call pathogenic. I don't believe in pathogens. It's just out of balance. 
Now, now the body creates parasites to come and process the bacteria. All right. So now the body can absorb those nutrients. So there's this beautiful symbiosis that goes on. But the way the microbiology works in the soil is the same way that it works in our body. Yes. And we really we, that, you know, worked with a lot of the farmers in Spain from this regen group that we thought got it. But every one of them lined up for the shot after that. So I, I see this a lot. You know, I definitely like working with the farmers more so. But there's still a fundamental misunderstanding of the microbiology. Yeah, they're but, still talking about pathogens. There's a right? there, there big, big there's disconnects out there. Antagonistic. It's yeah. all about balance. But the same way it works in the soil is the same way it works in our body. And why wouldn't it? We're part of nature. And we evolve as nature does through symbiosis, not through antagonism. Yeah. Well said. I'd love to. I'd love to um, explore the holographic blood reading and, and dive into that a little bit. Now, I want to assume that the listener doesn't doesn't know yet what it is that you do and what you're seeing when you're looking sure. at blood under a dark field. What are these cool. images? What do they mean? Well, I'll give you the little crash course here, okay? Because the the images. The tool, microscope is the tool that our father used to learn how the body truly works. The images are impressive. They're important. A picture is worth a thousand words. But what's more important is the philosophy behind this, which is also one of the reasons we're not teaching people to do the microscope work right now. You know, right now, you guys are listening. You want to get a microscope? Great. The ones out there suck. And when we have our program, we're putting it together. You're going to be with us for six to nine months. We're not just going to let you learn something and then go start telling people what you think, because that's irresponsible. All right. Um, so what dad learned is very interesting. This connects with uh, some of your other presentations. Antoine Bechamp, microzymas, right? Microscopic little things in the body that are doing something to help us. Uh, yes, been talked about by Plato and many, many people throughout history. Uh, you get into Gunter Enderlein, who gets talks about pleomorphism. So for us, the little symbionts, the somatids, the microzymas, and to answer your question from one of your previous things, yes, they are the same. They are different developmental stages in that cycle. The reality is these things, the symbionts, will create everything. They are the they are our chi, our prana, the force. It's amazing what's going on. Okay. So Enderlein looks at the symbionts, he looks at pleomorphism. Pleomorphism is something changing shape and form based on the terrain, the environment. So the microzyma, the symbiont, morphs into bacteria and into fungus. Why? To help us. Okay. The idea that, um, that the homotoxicology experience, uh, this, is, and this is interesting too. Uh, before that, sorry, Rudolf Steiner, for us, we look at his four bodies, the physical body, energetic, emotional, and spiritual bodies. So your symbionts, will adapt due to pleomorphism based on a block in any one of your four bodies. Okay. Now, when the symbionts morph and change and adapt, bacteria is one thing. This is part of your homotoxicology chart and the progression of disease. The first thing as far as disease is concerned is excretion. This is normal. So if we think about skin, you're sweating. Sweating is gross. So we use antiperspirant. Well, now it can't get out that way. So what happens? Now we have excretion. Or not, we have inflammation, sorry. Inflammation is how we heal. This is where things become um, bacterial in nature, sorry. So the bacteria comes into the picture to help get things out of the system. However, if the inflammation can't get out, we become inflamed, the inflammation becomes trapped, and now it's going to deposit. Now we become sick. The symbiont will create the bacteria to help us. When we get into the deposition phase, we're starting to mold. This is fungal now in nature, all right? The symbiont is turning into a fungus. 
We know from Paul's statements that a mushroom will absorb toxicity from the soil and convert it into organic matter. This is exactly what it's doing in your body. The fungus is there to absorb things and excrete things, change things, and the waste product of those are the isopathic remedies. We create our own remedies within us, okay? Pleomorphism, bacterial, is, is uh, excretion is normal, inflammation is bacterial, deposition is fungal. Now we're starting to mold. Now we push things deeper and deeper into the body. Things impregnate into the tissue. Then things degenerate and de-differentiate. De-differentiation is stage six. This is all your cancers. Things are breaking down. Cancer is actually, to answer another one of your questions, cancer is a normal process. Dad saw it as a mold. It's something that should happen when we're in the ground. It takes a lack of oxygen in a certain pH environment. Okay, this is important. So what dad did was learned about the terrain. This is your terrain. Your attitude affects your pH more than your diet, big time. All right, watch the superhuman movie. We, we're adjusting our pH all the time because of what we're thinking. All right, dad's liver cancer patients were all angry. His, his uh, lung cancer patients, grief. All right, hmm. now, as we look at the blood, we look at the red cells, the white cells, the platelets, the symbionts. The activity of symbionts tells us a lot. And this is another question you guys had. We should not be labeling diseases anymore. We should definitely be looking at our symbiont activity. We can look at a drop of your blood. If it's too much activity, your body's working too hard. Not enough activity, it's going to need some stimulation. And why is the activity like that? Go, Josh. Um, yeah, the activity is is beyond important. So the way we monitor the microzymas, the symbionts, tells us a lot. You know, like Adam says, is there too much going on? Is there not enough going on? That tells us how the, the system, it's not an immune system, it's a regulatory system. It shows us how things are regulating. All right. So now the microscopes these days are being designed. A lot of them are being designed without oil condensers, which means you miss about 60 to 70 percent of the plasma. So we see in a lot of the live cell community a totally disregard for the actual plasma. Now, our blood is what, 55 percent plasma. Right. So it's our river of life. So we delve deep into that plasma. It tells us so much. The coloring of the plasma tells us a lot. The microscopes these days are designed to give you a lousy plasma view. So even the coloring is off. Um, you don't see the depth that you need to in them, but that river of life, the activity we see in there tells us so much about what's going on in, in the, in the actual body. You know, we've seen with the majority of our people who are EMF sensitive, every once in a while, you just get somebody who's a bit of a nutso, but in general, there's certain people who are more sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies. They always have a snowstorm on their blood. So their own internal EMF is on overload. So it does not take much to set them off center. So we treated everybody the same. You figure out what the block is, you release the block, you align the body, the body bounces out. So as you start to remove the blocks, their activity starts to come down, their sensitivities come down right along with it. So while there's a lot of stuff going on these days with 5G and things like that, we need to be aware of it, but we're not running from it. And people need to stop being afraid of it. You need to be aware of what's going on. Take care of yourself internally, which is going to strengthen yourself internally and your biofield. Then we're going to be impervious to what's going on externally. That being said, if you're living in a city, it's going to be a lot harder for you because you're going to be bombarded, bombarded by so much crap. But in general, if we're really nice and calm, we have a nice, happy balance internally, then we're not going to let some of the external frequencies affect us so much. So by the amount of symbi symbionts, the amount of somatids we see in the blood tells us a ton about what's going on in the person's system. Right. And this is, this is we call this the blood basics. We haven't even mentioned holograms yet. And we have a course, Josh, put together based on this. And you'll laugh, guys, because we've been fighting about this. 
I want to share this course with everybody because it's kind of like, look at all these idiots. Every idiot is taking, buying a microscope and taking a four-day course and going, look at the graphene, look at the hydrogel. You're wrong. Um, so I want to share this work. And Josh is like, you can't share it with those idiots. They're going to go tell everyone they know everything. And I talked to some people recently and they said, no, 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 you can't do that. We're actually working on a residency program. I have doctors that are starting to come to us from other countries. And they want to learn. They know they've screwed up and they, they want to help people. I mean, I don't blame doctors. They got into this business to help. Right. So the reality is, yeah, interesting spot we're in right now. Um, but this is, everyone can learn this. When you read dad's holographic blood book, that was dad's thing was to teach everybody. It's like the Rudolf Steiner experience. When we lecture, everyone can be there. When we take the course, you give you a course, anyone can be there. You're going to have to commit and you're going to have to stick with us, you know, and don't you dare tell anyone you learned from us if you're telling them to kill your parasites and stuff like that. <laughs> that's not our deal. But the blood basics is important. Even platelets, platelets for us, they do, they do your platelet count in Western medicine, but they don't talk about the size. And dad learned a lot well, about the size of the platelets. Things in health, I believe. I haven't seen anybody who looked at platelets the way my dad looked at platelets. Massively, massively, massively important. Now they're for blood clotting, which is obviously important. But they go way beyond that. We monitor your inflammation by looking at your platelets. All right. So inflammation, and I'm sure you guys know, is not the bad guy in the room. Inflammation is how we heal. All right. When the inflammation becomes trapped, we become inflamed. Now we have issues. All right. But anti-inflammatory basically means anti-healing. And the brilliance of traditional medicine, they're actually trying to isolate the inflammation gene so they can eradicate it. <laughs> yeah. Eradicate very thick. So as Adam was saying, you get a lab test, it'll show your platelet count. It doesn't tell you the size of it. And the size of the platelet means a massive amount. All right. If we see a bunch of tiny platelets in your blood, that's that's a long-standing chronic trapped inflammation. That's an issue. All right. Giant platelets tell us there's an area of acute trapped inflammation. So the size of the platelet tells us a massive, massive, massive amount. And there's a total disregard of it, you know, certainly with a lot of the live cell community. We, had, we, we get these stupid interpretations sent to us every day. If people are out there doing live cell, more power to you. If you have images, don't send them to us. Please don't send them to us. We had a, a recent client who had been to somebody, and they were told that the platelets were toxoplasmosis, all right? That this had to do with your cat shit. This is an old lady. Her only friend in life is her cat. The doctor tells her to get rid of her cat, right? Three months later, the cat dies, and I can only think the cat died of, of sadness and grief, all right? So false inclusions, uh, false conclusions are one thing, but now you've drastically affected this person's life because of your yeah. ignorance. All right. So platelets, if people are out there doing live cell, get to know your platelets. The only way to get to know your platelets is to look at thousands of drops of blood. Many different people look at the patterns you're seeing. Yeah. Get some yeah. lab tests. That'll tell you a little bit. Now, I love the farmer I was working with. He says all lab tests are wrong, but some have a use. Right. So look <laughs> at the viewing and how it correlates to the actual lab test. Right. right? You know, so get to know your plants. They're so important. And I'll, I'll finish on this. I've never seen the documentation of this, but dad was taught and it always resonated with me that there's no human DNA in a platelet, that it's a plant that lives with us and helps us to heal. Hmm. If you look at the way they even grow, it grows like this mycelia network, right? It looks like this beautiful mushroom and out of, out of platelets, fibrin is formed. These little tentacles come out, right? And that's like your mycorrhizal connections, Right. Yeah. So it grows like this fungus. It's just this beautiful thing. But I've never seen documentation of it, but it always kind of resonated with me that a, a platelet is a plant that lives with us and helps us to heal. Yeah. 
Well, let's hear about the holograms. So, and interrupt us anytime, guys. Um, holograms, now we're at the holograms. <clears throat> so as dad looks at the blood, we see the basics and then these other images. So we take blood from capillary, right? Capillaries are only big enough for one red cell to fit through at a time. The image that we see, the image that people have shared that every one of you has seen, if they're bigger than a red cell, that image can physically not be possible in your bloodstream. It cannot have come out of your bloodstream, okay? It will clog a vessel. All right. So all these people showing you these images saying this is this and this is this, they're wrong. They're not even physical images. They have no idea what they're talking about. It this is the, a total misunderstanding. Sorry, I'll let you finish. It tells a total misunderstanding of what they're actually doing. It's capillary blood from your finger. Only one cell can come through at a time. I'm going to repeat it. Only one cell can come through at a time. Any structure larger than that cannot be physical in your blood. You would have had a stroke and died. So to all those people making these conclusions out there, you're wrong. You need to go back to school and understand what capillary blood is. Sorry. It's, go. it's okay. <laughs> so, so the images are not physically there. All right. But what we're seeing in our interpretation, what we've learned is this. A, everything in the body, all matter vibrates at different frequencies. So different organs, different tissue, different frequencies. If something is... It's a beautiful symphony. If something is out of balance, is it a different frequency? If frequency is altered, it creates a disturbance field. In music, it's a dissonance, okay? It's an interference field is what they call it. Now, how a hologram, those holographic little mirror things that you used to get, you know, at the fair, how those are made, you, a beam of light is split, and basically you're refracting light, and you're taking pictures of an interference field, all right? So we have an interference field in the body. The blood comes out. Liquid is the best conductor of vibration and frequency there is, so we can see this. It's kind of like bats and dolphins with echolocation, you know, like vibrations bouncing and they can see. So it's happening in the body. When the blood leaves your body, we believe this is energy becoming physically manifested due to an imbalance in the body. Now, crazy because as we see these images, some of them will match anatomy books, definitely. Uh, we have seen white cells attached to them. I have videos, like little time-lapse videos. So how is it that a white cell is attaching to a hologram? It's becoming physical. And you guys are like this. Do you know, do you know who Dr. Pablo Compra is? Mm-hmm. Name South Mayor? Everyone out there, you should know this. He wrote the first graphene paper. Okay? So we met him. He's the one that they, they ran with that. And he said there may or may not be. But we met him in Spain, and he bought a microscope after meeting us. Um, and he was great, talked to us, taught us all about regenerative stuff. And he was supposed to get the microscope and isolate a hologram for us so we could observe it and see what's it made of. You know, um, he didn't do that. He went on and did other things. Um, but it's like magic. It's the body literally trying to tell you what's going on. All right. This thing comes out of the body. It looks like your kidney. You know, and Josh and I, we look at the blood and we're like, well, that looks like a kidney. For those of you listening, go to our website, take a look at our stuff. We have images that look, they match the anatomy books. You know, this is not cherry picking to see, well, this kind of looks like this. That's it. And it shows up repeatedly. Okay. So we see these images. We look at the patient. We look at the blood. We look at the patient. You know, dad would ask different questions and people are funny because people fill out history forms like crap. You know, we don't have one of those horrible history forms, but, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you I had my kidney removed. <laughs> was, that, was that important? You know? It was um, 40 years but, ago, not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was 40 years ago. Not a big deal. But what he saw, what Dad saw with the holograms, those are images that are representative of true root cause. But they're puzzle pieces. 
Okay, I'm a technician. I get the blood. I take 80 to 120 pictures of what I see. Okay, I get it to Josh. Josh puts together a report. The report has 12 to 16 or 18 pictures. Why? Because what I'm seeing are the same pictures showing up over and over. This is the holographic experience. Different information is stored in multiple places. So, you know, the body can survive with this experience. So there's all these things showing up repeatedly. It's like the body going, it's the arm. Hey, the arm, the arm. And remember the scar? The scar is pulling on the arm, right? And the liver, and now I'm angry. So we put the puzzle pieces together, right? The scar is, it's a traction line. It's pulling the body out of alignment. It's putting pressure on your liver. Now you're angry. You have anger issues and you have a liver problem, hepatitis or something, right? This is holistic and integrative. And it is the holograms that give us the real solid pieces to the puzzle. However, we don't generally don't need the holograms to figure out the case. That just gives us a unique view. Now, that's what I was going to say around forever. I mean, if you go to your acupuncturist, your Ayurvedic practitioner, they're reading your eye, your tongue, your ear, your foot. Those are holograms. That's exactly what they're reading. So dad just found that there was one in the blood based on some of his teacher's teachings, so to speak. But the puzzle pieces, yeah, we'll see one big pretty picture of a kidney or a liver, um, but I don't ever believe the organ is the primary cause of anybody's issues. There's always a reason the organ isn't working. You know, so you got to figure out why the organ isn't working. If I see liver, my first thought is, oh, let's do a liver cleanse. You know, um, the body doesn't like to be forced to clean, <laughs> right? The liver's there. There must be a problem. There must be some compression on it. So I have to delve deeper into the blood to see what's going on. Hmm. All right. So maybe now I'll, I'll see a scar, right? And maybe then I'll see an appendix. So now I'm starting to put two and two together that it was the appendix surgery, which has caused a traction line, pulling the body out of alignment, putting pressure on the liver. Now the person's having problems uh, processing their anger. Because the livers, the, the emotion you know, associated with that is anger. So putting the puzzle pieces together is, it's actually pretty easy once you figure it out. You know, we would just, you know, dad always said it was easy for me because nobody ever taught me the wrong way of doing things. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like people stop learning math. One plus one equals two. It's never going to equal three, <laughs> you know. So as I start to put the puzzle pieces together, it's usually pretty obvious. Sometimes I'll have to look at the history form. Sometimes I'll have to ask the client. Um, but it's usually pretty straightforward. Um, one of dad's favorite sayings was health is simple and people are complicated. Hmm. So the answer yeah. is always very simple. It doesn't mean it's still not a process to get better. You know, there, there's no magic bullet. No matter what people think, you're not going to find health in the bottom of a pill bottle, whether that's a pharmaceutical or a supplement. All right. At best, you're going to get a Band-Aid that's going to help you work your way through the process. Right. But there's internal work that has to be done. And that's what intuitively most people know this. But we've been so brainwashed to think that you have no power as far as your own health goes, that you're stupid and the body's stupid. How stupid <laughs> can the body be that now we have autoimmune? The body is so dumb that it's going to go attack itself. Mm. All right? The dumbest, it's, it, it, is, it is a bullshit diagnosis is what it is. All right? The body will never, ever attack itself. It's always going to be trying to heal. If we don't fix the stagnations, at one point the body goes, okay, it's time for me to help you decompose. All right? Recycle, and that's the yeah. process. Same way it is in nature. And it's cyclical. You go back into the earth, regenerate new life. The microzymas never die. They're always creating life based on the terrain. So right. a beautiful symbiosis. And I'll just, I'll add one thing to this and then we'll let you guys talk if you want. Yay. <laughs> um, it's not necessary. <laughs> cool. It's your show. You know, we've done this before and then people deleted the show on us just so you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we're not going to delete it. I promise you. But we'd like to hear a little bit more about what you see in the holograms with these blocks. What we see with the holograms are the blocks. All right, physical, energetic, emotional blocks. Spiritual block is a different experience, but we can get to that point too. If you look at the river, the river flows. 
okay? A tree falls on the edge of the river, the debris accumulates. We can detox that debris, we can chelate that debris, we can cleanse that debris, we can get rid of the damn tree. But if we get rid of the tree, the body will cleanse on its own. This is what we do. We see the tree, we help you get rid of the tree, and the body will do its thing on its own. You know, as Josh says, there are things that can help us manage. And this is all that Western medicine has been up to this point is disease management. You know, you, you do things to get the band-aids and you keep moving forward. If you can get the band-aids going and then we can look at your blood and help you figure out what's the true root cause. And typically when we address what we address, it's like the domino effect. Totally. We hit this, this thing, something set you off center in the beginning. And if you're driving your car a little bit off center, out of alignment, over a bunch of years, you're going to be way in the wrong spot. So we assist the body in getting back on track and we support it. And then it's up to you to continue on your path. So the holograms are awesome. They're impressive. They're hard to question sometimes. You know, I mean, I've had doctors just say nothing because they don't know what to say. Hmm. It matches the books, you know, but it really comes down to learning about how to take care of your body. You know, people, we would love to look at everyone's blood. It's only Josh and I. We can't handle too much and we're working on team and some funding for microscopes and things. But the reality is everyone right now, align your damn car. All right. Get the energy to flow and get some damn joy. Dad's conclusion with chronic disease. And I remember looking up a list as a kid of chronic diseases and dad had worked with every one of them. That was not his truth in their world. If they can't help you, they label you as chronic. That's not our world. Hmm. It's a different experience. So with this point though, you align the car, do these things, the joy thing, Dad said that chronic disease, a thousand percent, is triggered emotionally. Someone asked him what's a documentarian, and he said, I have prostate cancer. What do we do to avoid these things? And he said, the one thing that will change your pH and your blood quicker than anything is joy. Mm. And this is, and this is, he says this very seriously, you know, joy is important. Dr. Emoto was trying to show us how emotions affected us with the water. He tried to do it with the blood first. We didn't know that and he couldn't do it. So when he found out about dad's work, he was thrilled. Hmm. They were they were friends. It was awesome. So at this point, though, this is our job, people. Misha Koyashi, the director of the Emoto Peace Project, says we have 60 to 80,000 emotional episodes a day. 80% of them are negative. Hmm. Probably more these days. There's so much negativity, it's ridiculous. Fear is not how we heal people. So stop being afraid. I'm going to interrupt we, here. Well, just the last sentence. We need to practice joy every day, at least 10 minutes. Watch your health change. You've earned it and you deserve it. Just, so yeah, yes. he came to the conclusion that, yeah, disease comes, a thousand percent comes from your emotions, right? But here's the difference. The emotion is now causing you physical issues. You need to work on the physical. And this is where people are missing these days. A lot of people are starting to put it together. You can't just work on the emotion. How do you work on the emotion? You take pressure off the liver so you can process the anger. You take pressure off the lungs so you can process the grief. Once the, the, the emotion becomes a physical issue, you have to check on, on the physical part of the body. And we had this pyramid of healing we got exposed to in Seattle. And the first step was physical. None of them did any body work. None of them did any physical work. They all went to their past lives immediately, you know. And I believe in past lives, but I can't go back and work on your great-grandfather's kidney, right? <laughs> whatever's, whatever's happened in the past is stuck in this body. So we have to. It's so simplistic but you have to take care of the physical part. Once that emotion becomes physical, physical work needs to be done. Yeah. Well, it sounds, it sounds, emotion. it sounds like there's an opportunity there uh, for the next step. And that is to be working on your great grandfather's kidney. 
once you do, once you do that, <laughs> we can see then, it in the blood. Yeah, there's, there's the uh, there's the cash cow. Um, yeah. But let's let's go back to uh, let's go back to the the like the treatment because you're you're starting to get into that a little bit. So if I go to you for a holographic blood reading, which by the way I'm I'm, I'm in the process of doing. I watched your uh, little video which emphasizes the history form. <laughs> yeah, so thank thank you for Please. that emphasis. <laughs> um, it's clear. I mean, it's yes. clear. It seems obvious. Like this would be really important to fill out. But anyway, um, holographic blood reading. You do an analysis. Uh, white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets, the somatids, the activity level, size of the platelets. You also might do an examination for, you know, for the holographs. What next? Like what then does treatment potentially look like? Josh, you mentioned like taking care of yourself physically. Is that as yep. simple as going to someone to correct your spine, uh, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's dive into that. Yeah, sometimes. Um, yeah. Part of the reason I'm happier these days is I don't work in clinics anymore and I have no urge to work in clinics anymore. Um, so back in the day, dad would look at somebody's blood. The blood would dictate the treatment. We would do a treatment. He'd look at the blood immediately afterwards. If the blood didn't change, he knew the treatment wasn't getting through. The treatments were very simple. We deal a lot with scar tissue. All right. Scar is a physical, emotional, and an energetic block. All right. The emotion set up the injury. Now you have a physical block that's blocking the energy from flowing. All right. So it's very simplistic, but the scar tissue has to be released. All right. You can get your car line. You can get your body line. But if you haven't worked on the scar tissue, the scar just pulls the body back out of alignment. So we did a ton of scar treatments. So we would work on the scars. We would work on the blocks. We would do everything in conjunction with an osteopath. All right. So the osteopath was right there. So basically, we'd release the blocks in the body. We'd align the body. And it was pretty much that straightforward. The remedies we incorporated, we used the isopathic remedies back in the day, which are the waste products of bacterials and fungus. So they are, you know, most of those exist in our body at all times. There's nothing foreign about them. They were really, really potent. They're not homeopathic. They're homeopathic and then they're all natural but they were significantly stronger than homeopathics were. So um, you never left the office with a trough of supplements and things like that to take. Most of the work was done right there in the office. Maybe you're taking an isopathic, you know, here and there, you know, as you go home. So it was very, very, very simplistic. Now that we're not in clinics anymore, thank God, um, you know, I'll do a, I'll do a consult for people. Um, when I get a, a slide in the mail, we have to look at it very differently. We have to have extra blood on it. So I'm more concentrated on the holograms and I don't know them all. You know, I was taught very clearly, be honest about what you know and honest about what you don't know. There's always going to be stuff in the blood. I have no idea what the hell that is. You know, I'll look at the pictures that day and I have no idea what it is. The next day I'll look at it again and sometimes, oh, it's, it's obvious what that is. And sometimes I just don't know. The answers are always there, though. Right. So we'll do the consult for you. And, and honestly, the answer is usually pretty obvious. The history form is massively important these days. Can I read the blood without the history form? Absolutely. You know, but I need the history form to be able to match up certain surgeries and things like that, certain emotional traumas, you know, things like that. If I have the client right there in front of me, I don't need the history form. I can just talk to him a little bit. Um, So the blood will be very obvious about what needs to be done. As we're not doctors, we cannot recommend specific things. We don't recommend supplements anyways. Right. So we generally point people towards osteopathy, um, towards acupuncture. Those are the two main things that we recommend. Um, I think alternative medicine is a real crossroads now, right now, where I think a lot of them are selling out, becoming green allopaths. I don't include acupuncture and Ayurvedic medicine in that. That is the true traditional medicine for me. So the alternative community needs to decide whether they're going to be green allopaths and give you supplements and herbs, or if they're going to actually figure out what the cause is going on. So as we figure out what the issue is, we let them know as far as the consult goes, 
and our wording is very careful. You know, my dad had charges brought against procuring people illegally, <laughs> right? You know, and you have to sign a 15 page contract for us to do a consult for you. It's just that simple. We have to protect ourselves. And unfortunately, that's the way of the world. Um, but it's usually pretty straightforward. It'll come down. Honestly, my reports could be five sentences, right? Two thirds of my reports are education. All right. So if I, if I see the pelvis is in there, I'm giving you a paragraph on how the pelvis expands and contracts and how we need to understand that. If I'm seeing the belly button, I'm talking about the importance of the umbilical ligament. Literally, the report could be um, parents got divorced at the age of 15. There was emotional abuse at the age of 16, car accident at 17. All right. And, and that's pretty obvious. So you deal with the car accident to help release what happened before that. That's when we point them towards osteopaths, acupunctures, and that sort of a thing. Now, initially, you know, Adam's great. He wants to save the world. <laughs> you know, I watched my dad get destroyed for trying to help everybody, you know, and, and very clear in my consciousness, you know. So I'm here to educate. We're going to give people the answer, the answer that they already know. And then it's up to them to follow the path. All right. People want you to hold their hand the whole time. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. All right. Here's, here we are showing you what the body is telling you. And the people who want to get better, damn well, they're going to get better. Damn straight. They're going to go find that practitioner. They might have to drive eight hours to go to the osteopath, but they're going to get there. Right? Because you get busy living or you get busy dying. So I had to deal with this crossroads where I always want to get my hands on the person to work on them. And I can't do that anymore. But I have to trust in the fact that if people want to get better, they're going to take the report. They're going to follow their path and they're going to follow, take steps to actually get better. But simple answer. A lot of times we recommend osteopathy and acupuncture. The combination is pretty fantastic. You need somebody to work on on the scar tissue, the adhesions. You need somebody to help you process the the, the emotions that are coming out physically as well. Where does German New Medicine fit in, if if at all? Yep. That's a great great question. Um, you know, one of the chapters in Dad's book is about Hammer um, and New German Medicine. So, the philosophy of it we love. We really take to heart um, conflict shock. A lot of it is based on old old Eastern philosophy. You know, it's not necessarily new German medicine. The way they've mapped some of it is really amazing. But we really delve heavily into the emotions and the conflict shock, a traumatic emotion that's now short-circuited the nervous system. The same images that Hammer saw as ripples in the pond and the brain scans we see in the blood, the same exact images. Those images, those same images have been mislabeled by somebody who's been doing live cell for 30 years as graphene when he knows damn well they're not graphene. Uh, but those same images have to do with an emotional short circuit in the brain. Palmer saw him on the brain scans. Dad saw him in the blood. Um, where we differ a little bit is they talk a lot about is just resolving that emotional conflict is now going to fix things. And I don't generally believe that's the way it's done. There has to be some physical work, whether it's even breath work mm -hmm. or Qigong or, or yoga. There's got to be yeah. some physical components to help you move that emotional energy. Right. I can't right. just readjust my thinking. Readjust your thinking is a huge part of your healing process, but it's just a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. I think German medicine has a very important piece to the puzzle, but there's other pieces that have to be connected as well. You guys are um, freaking legends. Just want to say that. Um, so, and I, I know we're we're getting close to an hour here. I don't want to. I want to be respectful of your time. But it's as we've had this journey, Ben and I doing this podcast for the last couple of years, we've sort of boiled the terrain model down to the three pillars of: Were you poisoned? Are you deficient? Or are you traumatized? It seems like you guys are really uh, swimming in these the trauma waters, like really drilling down into the body and seeing where that's manifesting. But certainly there is a place for, for malnutrition deficiencies. Toxicity is sort of the obvious one. But um, I'm just in, interested, like where is that crossover between 
like, do you ever give someone to try to steer them towards a better diet or to, to, to address the deficiencies that might be present in their lifestyle? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in sure. there, Adam, and then I'll let you, you take over from there. Um, diet is a very small part of what we teach. Did you say very small? Uh, very small part yeah. of what we teach. Right. Dad taught diet as common sense. Yep. Uh, all right. Certain things like know the source of your food is so important. If it's coming from 3,000 miles away, who knows what the hell you're actually eating. You know, nothing good comes out of a can. If you can't pronounce it on the label, it's probably not good for you. Yeah. One of the most important things was eat with joy. Mm-hmm. Right. So diet is different for everybody. And everybody is trying to tell me what's best for my own body. Right. He talked about eating from your environment. Yeah. Right. You know, the Inuits live off whale blubber. Could I do that? No, it's not part of my environment. Right. All right. You know, you need to be symbiotic with, with the world you're living in, you're the environment you're living in. Yeah. Best yeah. thing you do is grow your own food. So I'm a huge believer in, in food, knowing the source of it, grow it yourself if you can. Um, the excuse for supplements these days is food is so deficient that they have to supplement. Well, they're right and they're wrong. There's always a farmer. There's always a farmer's market you can go to. Sure. Right. And the supplements are designed in a way that does not exist in nature. And how many people do you know who are taking vitamin C every day, haven't eaten an orange in three years? <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, no, food is medicine. Food used to be medicine. <laughs> right. Most food is crap these days. I, I agree with that. You know, you are what you eat. If you want to eat McDonald's, you're going to be full of shit and you get what you deserve. <laughs> you know, right. that being said, if you want to eat a, a fast food hamburger here and there, it's not a big deal. Everything in moderation. Yeah. So, yes, diet is a big deal. Um, it, it's a part of the a part of the show. It's not the whole show. For me, I believe in animal proteins. Is that going to work for everybody? Absolutely not. Right. So you got to figure out what's best for you. Know the source of your food. Eat with joy. Simple things like that. Um, but radically altering your diet when you're in a chronic stage of disease can really exacerbate things sometimes. Mm-hmm. We work with a clinic um, in California that had, you know, they would give dad all of his, his bad cancer cases, you know, all of a stage four, he'd give to dad. And this guy would turn everybody into a vegan. Well, right. if, you, if you want to kill a cancer person quick, you turn them into you radically alter their diet. Right. It didn't have to do with being a vegan. It had to do with now you're taking away something the body is very used to. Yeah. If you have a chronic smoker, you can't get them to stop smoking overnight. They're going to go right. into withdrawals. They're probably going to die if they're a bad emphysema or bad lung cancer. So yeah. diet, very important. Knowing the source of it, but everybody's my their authority on my diet. Figure out what works best for you. Don't believe in this allergy bullshit. <laughs> allergy is one of dad's Orwellian <laughs> words. Hmm. All right. You know, there's never, there's not a deer in the forest that's allergic to anything. All right. If food, if you're sensitive to food, most likely it's got to do with the processing of that food. Right. Okay. Wheat is not the problem. The problem is the processing of the wheat. And now it's, it's the, the body can't even recognize it anymore. What's it supposed to do with that? So, so yeah. I guess we do. That's the most I've talked about diet in a long time there, Adam. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. Know the source of your food. Eat with joy. Um, diet. Also, I'll leave on this. Diet controls about 2 to 5% of your pH. So if you're radically changing your diet, thinking it's going to change your pH, you're wrong. Your kidneys and lungs that control your pH. And if you want to delve deeper into it, it's your grief and your fear that control your pH. Hmm. And realize your pH is just a result. Well, yeah, it's a result. Well, Josh, diet changed Josh's pH when he went on the Candida diet. It made him very angry, which changed his pH. (laughs) (laughs) I was using you want to go through an awful experience, become angry, go do a Candida diet. Folks, Candida is there. You want a nice, candida happy dessert. balance. You don't want too much. Killing your candida is not going to help fix your problems. Sorry, right. go on, Adam. They're there to do. They're there to do a job. I'm going to make a little puppet of Pete the parasite. You know, <laughs> why are you killing me? <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm headed. 
Um, so dad knew Atkins, you know, from the Atkins diet and more people lost weight on that diet than most any other diet, but a lot of people gained weight on that diet. You never heard those stories, you know, diets very different for everybody. And that's very important. You know, I think life is eat, breathe, sleep. So breathing is usually easy sleeping, but not so much for a lot of people these days, but food is something we have control over. You know, we can pick what we want to eat. And the reality is most people eat like such crap. There's a pattern we've seen. People eat like crap. They eat what they do. They think they're doing fine. But then they something's weird. They go to the doctor. Doctor says, you need to change your diet. It's time for you to become a vegetarian. So people change and then uh, they clean their crap up and they feel awesome. But now they're a vegetarian. And maybe their body didn't really need that as a whole thing. What they needed was a, a time period of time to clean stuff out. Yeah. You know, so eat things that'll help filter and help cleanse and all that. And then you can reintroduce other things into the diet. But I saw this even with a, a friend of mine, you know, he went vegetarian and vegan and, and he was great, but then his body had an issue and he kept coming to us. My dad said, you need meat, you know, but the belief system of what he went through with the whole, you know, animal eating and stuff was really strong. But for years he kept coming back and dad said, I just stop. He said, stop bothering me. <laughs> you just, just, you know, even get, you can powder eggshells and you could sprinkle them in your food, you know, and there's animal protein there. Eventually he did. His health changed. And my friend is now in his fifties. He's a third degree black belt. He teaches, he's like mixed martial arts, all that is mad, you know, and his eight year old daughter eats more meat than me. It's a little crazy, but now he's, he said, your bones are rotting. You need some animal protein. Okay. The most, yeah. single most important thing for your bones is animal protein. Yeah. Now, how much you want to eat is entirely up to you, you know, yeah. time and place for everything. But this is a person who needed the animal protein. But generally, yeah. diet didn't come into play much in the office. It was just common sense. It's be, be conscious. You know, like Dad said, if you can't pronounce what's on the label, don't put it in your body. You know, he liked the Ayurvedic diets. He said there was something to the blood type diet, but not for everybody. You know, um, so it was pretty simple. It's a good question. You talk about American traditions fairly often. You know, Western Sally Fowler, loved Weston Price's stuff. And he said, just just take the education out of it. You know, the diet is different for everybody. Just talks about how they educate people. You know, and well, Sally talks about paleo diet, you know, how they just invented how they thought paleo people ate. Every indigenous culture has it a stone grinder. But now they say paleo people didn't eat freaking grains. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that was one of the few books that he liked. But he said, just look at the education part of it. Well, and I'll tell you the last one with this one. I love food. Like if life is eat, breathe, sleep, I live to eat and I eat to live. I love food. It's part of my joy every day. I start my day with my Qigong. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Life hits you and then there's lunch. Yeah. What am I going to have? And then life hits you again and then there's dinner. Wow. What's it going to be? And then later on I play my guitar and end my day right. But it's not easy for a lot of people eating, right? You have to eat with joy. You have to do things to balance. I love food. My dad, the grandpa, owned a candy store in Brooklyn you know, where the kids used to hang out, read comic books and fireworks. So our grandfather, this guy died at the age of 96 with wine in a box with an extra refrigerator for junk food. Like we'd visit and it wasn't a couple candy bars. It was boxes of Snickers. Awesome. And this guy died because of hip surgery. Yeah. Right? It wasn't the food. That guy was sharp as a tack. So I love food. I eat with so much joy. And the reality is I balance things out, okay? I go through the soups and the salads and the sushis. I'm always having some greens with my things. My girlfriend's kids, they hate their broccoli. And then I'm over going, well, you feel crappy after all that ice cream. I don't, <laughs> you know? So it's really about a balance. And I 
think it's important for us to lead by example. You know, Josh and I, it's not do as I do, or as I say, not as I do. I lead by example. I am healthy. I am happy. I have stem cells and exosomes and isopathics. I don't take anything. Sometimes I need something, but I've really worked on this for a long time. So people need to put in their work and they need to be consistent with it. And then you can eat whatever you want to eat. I am a living example of that. Oh my God, I will out junk food anybody. <laughs> okay. And then my digestive system is a superhero. Yeah. What's that, Josh? You can eat anything in moderation. Um, yeah. Dad's favorite thing to say about diet was more important than what you put into your mouth is the attitude which you put it your mouth mm. with. You know, he yes. loved, I lived in Spain for a couple of years, two and a half hours for lunch. They sat and enjoyed their food. Italy and France are usually one and two in healthcare. They eat a couple thousand calories for lunch. They're drinking coffee. They're smoking cigarettes, but they're enjoying it. And that joy is part of why the health, why the food is really good for them. Yeah. And that's, and that's also one of my non-negotiables. I want to eat whatever the hell I want to eat, damn it. <laughs> and I'm going to do what I got to do to do that. You know, and dad would say too, that the amount of joy a child gets when you're going to give the kid a cupcake is much more beneficial to their health than the sugar is detrimental. Hmm. All right. We've all earned a piece of cake. You deserve it. Don't eat the whole damn cake. <laughs> you know, it's that simple, <laughs> right? And there's your homework. It's joy for people. 10 minutes of joy every day, people. Make your list of joy. On my list of joy is a chocolate milkshake. Life sucks. I go get a chocolate milkshake somewhere and life is a little better for that moment. Right? You're very, we have very different diets. You know, <laughs> I will say that I'm a firm believer in fermented foods. You know, I'm making yeah. sour crowds, making my own sourdough. My, I'm making my own beet kvass and things like that. That stuff is golden. And well, what's going on in the environment? And I think you mentioned, you know, talking about toxins and poisons. Everybody is being poisoned pretty much every day by the environment they're living in, especially if they're living in cities. If you're living out in nature, certainly not so much anyways. Um, but it doesn't affect everybody. All right. So whether you're poisoned is going to actually be related to the stagnations in your body. All right. We're being exposed to the scrap. If there's a, a block in the body, where do you think that garbage is going to sit? Right there at the stagnation. A detox isn't going to help that. All right. You got to remove that actual stagnation. Yeah. So, yeah, we're being barred by who knows what every day. All we can do with it to, to deal with that and adapt to that is make sure the body is moving properly, make sure the energy is connecting, make sure the body is working as efficiently as possible. Whatever toxin the body absorbs, the body's going to say, well, hell with this, I'm getting rid of this. That's what the body does. You don't need a practitioner to give you a detox. The body does it on its own. You support the body so it can do it. So while I think we should be aware of what we're doing to the environment, realize the only thing we can do is take care of our body right now. The other thing we can do is start to grow your own food. And the farmers I've been working with, they're creating their own ecosystems. Yeah, They're getting more rain on their property than their neighbor is. Yeah. So be afraid of the stuff we're seeing in the skies, or you could take care of yourself and God forbid, take care of the environment, create your own ecosystem. And then we can adapt in a much healthier way. So yeah, yeah the poisons, they're going to they're gonna deposit in your stagnations, whether it's externally or whether it's something that's being injected into you. You get the body moving properly. The body's going to clean out the poisons. Very, Indeed. very simple. It's homotoxicology. Yeah, health is, it. like you said, health is simple. Like your dad said, health is simple. Well, Adam, you it already is. touched on uh, one of the, the last questions we always ask all our guests. So maybe you can you can go a little, little <laughs> further here. What, yeah, what are your non-negotiables, those daily habits you do to yes. tend to your terrain? It's important as life is a game to get a little pumped up before you get on the field. Okay, Anna and I, my girlfriend, uh, we teach people the idea is start your day smooth and end it smooth. Okay, I get up in the morning. The first thing I do, bed is comfortable. I don't want to get out of bed. 
I get on the floor onto my infrared mat and I have the chi machine that just, you know, it shakes your ankles. It stimulates the lymphatic system. I do a little chanting because it helps my mind not get distracted to stupid. And it's a vibration and a frequency that thousands of people are doing. So I can tap into that. But I get up and I relax and I do my Qigong for 20 minutes after that. I have done this Qigong routine of the healing sounds uh, almost every day since I learned it four years ago. And it changes my attitude. I love it. I'm stretching. I feel my range of motion. There's a movement in the liver and the sound, the shoo, and the anger is out, bringing the joy in. I have my routine, and I will not check my email before that. I won't do anything else, not the phone. I mean, no news, all that stuff. I start my day right, and then I get into it, and I end my day right as well. At the end of the day, after dinner, I'm either playing my guitar uh, I love stupid horror movies because the idiots always die in the end, you know, <laughs> uh, there's good soundtracks to those, you know, sometimes I play some silly video games or chat with friends, but I start my day smooth and I end it smooth. And that's that, that I got to do no matter where, when, how. Um, and the other one is my food. I love food. You know, I travel and I, I want to eat. So I'm going to take care of myself food wise, make sure I'm eating right. And I'm going to get joy out of my food, damn it, all every day. That's me. What about you, Josh? Non-negotiable. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with those. You know, disease comes from stagnation. You know, what they would call infection is, is stagnation. We don't believe in infection. There's just a stagnant area. So the emotions, whatever, caught up the physical block. Now we stagnate. Now we have issues. So the movement is really important. We don't heal sit in a chair. I've tried. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, part of the reason so many people would die in hospitals is they sedate them, they overmedicate them, they give them suppressants, and they sit them on a damn bed. Yeah. You know, you look at the amount of deaths caused by hospital-induced pneumonia. All right, and that's basically the hospital killing them because of the actual treatment. Yeah. All right, and Dad says the human body is so amazing that sometimes it heals, and even despite the treatments it's receiving. You know, so the movement is really important. You know, for even the elderly, tap your feet things like that, you know, just get some movement going. Um, massively, massively important. Um, the joy is different for everybody. That's why we always had people do the list of joy. Adam's right. He can smell a milkshake. Only person I've ever met who can smell a milkshake. <laughs> All right. It brings him joy. He looks like a little kid, you know, um, for me, um, birds, you know, my first thing is, is I'm notoriously not a morning person. My first thought in the morning is, ah, shit you know? <laughs> <laughs> it actually has to do with my birth i was a forceps delivery and i think i was pretty comfortable in there right and i was yanked out and that's the way i wake up in the morning i'm working <laughs> on these things you know we we preach a lot of this great stuff and i'm still a work in progress so i'm very honest about that we all are so yeah. I, I force myself outside i go stand under the tree i'll do some qigong but more importantly i'm out there feeding the crows and the squirrels Right. It's like they all come out to greet me and stuff like that. And that's my joy. That's what gets me geared up for the actual day. No matter what's going on, I can go hang out with my trees. I can hang out with my crows and my squirrels. And then, you know, my my energy level perks up. I'm getting some movement while I'm out there. You know, most of the time I'll do Qigong. Sometimes I won't, you know, but the movement is really, really important. The food, the food's a big deal. You know, um, I, I've been getting into just cooking this, you know, these sourdoughs and it's funny. I make a lot of sauerkraut and I'll take some of the sauerkraut juice and look it under the microscope <laughs> and there's so much bacteria in there and it just makes me hungry. <laughs> you know, if all the germophobes saw what they were actually eating when they ate sauerkraut, they'd probably stop eating sauerkraut. <laughs> You're eating germs, people, and that's a good thing, you know. So those things bring me joy when I can actually 
make my own sauerkraut and see the life that's being created under the microscope with it. It's amazing. The first time I ate a strawberry I grew, I kind of cried a little bit. It tasted different than any strawberry I'd ever had, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I did this. I was working with the soil. So, but those are things that kind of make me happy. I do think a non-negotiable is incorporating some nature into your day. You know, I mean, the grounding, Adam's girlfriend, Anna Maria Oliva, you know, she's got her PhD in biological medicine. 90% of what she talks about, I have no idea what the hell she's talking about. It's so <laughs> above my She'll do a two-hour lecture, and then the best thing she can come up with the, at the end is take her shoes off and go stand on the soil. Amen. That's how simplistic yeah. it is, right? So get out, connect with nature, be around some trees, get your feet in the, in the grass, you know, and so many people are disconnected from that. Um, so those are kind of my non-negotiables. Get some movement, enjoy your food, and get into nature somehow on a daily basis. If not, and I heard a, I heard a crow in the background. To Josh, there was a crow in the background there for you. Oh yeah, they're all working. <laughs> they're waiting to be fed. <laughs> they're, hungry. they're hungry. I guess nice. the uh, the middle ground between the two of you would be some fermented chocolate cake. <laughs> weird that's the name of my new band fermented chocolate cake there it is <laughs> it's, it's yours have it uh, awesome. last question for both of you um what was the best place for the listener to learn more about you both and your work good question our website biggelsonacademy.com uh you know we're a really small operation over the last few years we've gotten a lot of attention which is great uh if you go to the website and you send us emails we're getting them now yay <laughs> Um, but we have, we really try to do what we can to be accessible. Okay. Um, we like people and it's about, I've always said this, I don't know everything, but we have all the answers, but we can get together. So Josh and I have our online school of health and wellness. Uh, we do two webinars a month, one interview and one Q and a, and it's $27 a month. We post some tools in the, in the platform as well, you know, exercises and different things from dad. Um, but the reality is you can come ask us any question you want, you know? And the other thing is uh, we love to do the consultations. Um, It's not the cheapest thing in the world because what's your health worth is one thing. We do not charge the same as live blood analysis, just so you know. Um, However, we want to help people. We want to educate. So how can we meet people where they're at? The books are great. Read dad's books, holographic blood, doctors, marvel germs. Uh, Medical conspiracy is pretty important now too, as well. Uh, You can get on a conversation with me through the website you can do the consultation. You can do the School of Health, which is awesome, awesome. Josh and I love it. Every other week, we love hanging out with these people. And then we also had a terrain course. It was a 13-week course based on Dad's Holographic Blood book. I got him to talk about so many parts of that book, so we have a lot of content from him. Great course. And the people we've had in our course, you guys should come to one of our webinars. I mean, just once. We may have, if we're lucky, we'll have Mrs. Nasans on next time. Uh, but the people that are going to be there, too, um, you guys, had you heard of James DeMeo? Was the guy that recreated Wilhelm Reich's experiment 20? No. no. So Wilhelm Reich observed grass decompose over a period of time. He saw the bions come out, the symbionts, the microzymes, same thing. Over a period of time, he then watched them create new life. So he watched the symbionts come out of the grass decomposing and create new life. So the reality is we're made of these things. When we die, they help us to decompose. So part of us never actually dies. That's, that's, that's we, we're working with that. So we have a guy on our course, though. Uh, Wilhelm Reich did the experiment. James DeMeo recreated it. One of our students uh, just inherited all of James DeMeo's estate as he had passed away. So we have access to all his research. And we have people around the world. There are scientists and doctors we have never heard of. My girlfriend, PhD in biomedicine, she's got videos with over a million views. 
She's introduced us to a whole other world. So we're connecting. We've got Barry Lando who does some stuff with us because he's got experience, which is awesome. Uh, we're working with really interesting people and connecting dots, and we're sharing this as we're doing it. So come to our webinars, listen to what we're talking about, and join in the conversation. We're just here also to reinforce the hell out of what we talk about. We have so much content. I mean, I could give you stories about mono and hepatitis and knowing where it comes from and patterns and things. You can't do it all in one hour. Right. You know, and we're obviously, we love sharing it. We at least have a few places where you guys can get to us and ask the questions. And, and thanks for having us on, you know, for people listening, listen, get some joy, look for our other stuff, share it. You know, one of the regenerative agricultures we worked with, someone said to him, why are people not doing this? And he said, it's just awareness. Right. People are not aware. So you guys, we're really grateful that you're doing this. You know, I mean, we weren't aware that Gaston Assange's wife was alive. That's huge. So, wow. Um, but at this point, we're there. We're accessible. We'll be at Anarchapulco. We'll do some retreats. You guys can come see us. Um, however we can get to you guys to be accessible, we're really trying to do that and stay accessible. But the train course is awesome because it's the philosophy and it's not a blood course. All right. It's a prerequisite for any sort of blood training that we're going to do in the future. So it's the philosophy behind the work. And yeah, Adam followed dad around for months getting him to record things. So what's awesome is dad teaches a good portion of this class. Hmm. So even though he's not with us anymore, he teaches a huge, huge portion of the class. So that's pretty awesome. The other thing is, yeah, we try to distance ourselves so much from live cell. But if people out there have a microscope and they understand, a lot of them know what they've been taught has been inconsistent. Um, come take the course. You'll learn a lot of the fundamentals. Um, not everybody's going to be allowed to take the blood course. That's one of the prerequisites. But after that, if people understand the philosophy, they'll be able to start to learn the blood the correct way. Holograms are a different story, and they're totally secondary. Um, but if there's people out there with microscopes who want to learn and remove some inconsistencies, the, that's what the course is for. Got it. And we'll put uh, we'll put links to all that in the show notes. Uh, Adam, ooh, Josh, ooh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Can, sorry oh, real quick. Oh. Uh, sorry, we're not we're so bad at this. Like, no, no, my mom, no. This is the theme. Mom comes this into the, the theme. Webinars. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> well, mom comes into the webinar. She goes, "You forgot to tell them about the Twinkie." You know, it's like, oh, I forgot to say about the Twinkie. <laughs> tell us about the Twinkie. <laughs> tell us about the Twinkie. Um, so, we, Josh and I, the microscopes we've used. Um, an extra points if anyone knows where that's from. That quote, by the way. Uh, yeah, um, who are you going to call? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. extra points. <laughs> so meanwhile, um, the microscopes that Josh and I use, the technology has changed. And the reality is what we have right now, if our microscopes break, we cannot get them again. So we're in the process of trying to recreate our old technology um, to explore new technology. And I got to thank, I'm grateful to the pandemic. There's advancements in our technology because of these ridiculous microscopists. <laughs> uh, we just can't afford, we can't afford that stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. So we just, just finally put together supportterrain.com. And the website just went up. I've got people, I'm getting some videos and things uh, from Bear Lando and Alex Zek. And I got one from Brendan Murphy. People that believe in what we do. Because the reality is there is cool technology out there. And I feel like it should be in the hands of the right people. And at this point, it seems as though some of those people are us, which is cool, <laughs> you know, um, but we need some support with that. You know, people are asking what's in these substances. There's one microscope that does spectrum analysis. It's $150,000. You know, I can't afford that. And the thing is, Moderna and Pfizer, they have one and they can afford those things. But we need to develop a laboratory. It's really time to support the research and the people that support the terrain. OK, research has been funded by the wrong sides for the wrong reasons. 
And we have never asked people for money because we didn't need it to do anything. But right now we need some microscope development. We need to experience some of these things. And I can only imagine what we will be able to learn with some of these new tools. You know, we're going to pick Nason's wife's brain. Uh, I had my friend was with her, was, was with Gaston's with parts of Rife's original microscope that they were going to have Gaston Nason's recreate. And they were ready to do it. But, you know, the crazy scientists wanted 95% of the profits and business wise, that doesn't work. But there was $15 million on the table. So can we, we're getting so close to so many things, guys. It's really awesome and crazy. We need land. I can't afford that. I need to grow food. I need to learn how to do it. You know what I mean? Like it's time to create the villages. People are doing these projects and we want to be and need to be a part of something. It's the C word, collaborations. All right. So food for thought, whatever you guys are doing, share, share the work. It's time to connect our community because we've been divided and conquered historically and we are connecting and wow, the amazing things, every action, equal and opposite reaction, three years of horror. Wow. I have seen awesomeness. Okay. So know that there is amazing things happening. We're not sharing with the whole world because we don't want to get smacked, but we could use a little support. So supportterrain.com. Supportterrain.com. My nerd, my nerd cameras are zoomed out. Uh, and gentlemen, <laughs> we, we are so grateful for having connected with both of you. And, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking this time to, uh, to, to join us on the Terrain Theory Podcast. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you. It's really important. Yes. And anytime you need us, you know where we're at. We're here as a resource. You are in the pineal room. The after party, the after party in the pineal room. It's the after party in the pineal room. Michael, have we hit the end of terrain theory? <laughs> One, is it, a, is it still a theory? And two, like, is that it? Like this, everyone should just go do what Adam and Josh are doing. And that's, that's terrain. That is the terrain. You mean time to, time to wrap it up. The work here is done. Yeah, that's it. We've arrived. This is it. We've arrived. And, and, uh, the answers are right there. Health is simple. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, never, never. No, never. Of course There's, not. No, of course not. Um, however, however, and there was a lot listener that was, that was said after we, after we stopped recording, um, Josh and Adam were two of those guests who just linked, like st- stuck around and sh- sort of shot the shit and answered additional questions. One of which being, let's explore why it's, why it's uh, not a theory, why it would be a paradigm. And that was a fun, that was a fun little conversation. Yeah. Um, but it does become readily apparent that what they've, what their father, the foundation that his, their father built and the work that they're doing and the discoveries over you know, the last 30 years, 40 years, the observations um, are probably about as, as thorough and maybe as compelling as anything that we've had on this show. Would agree. you agree? I would. I would. Um, I, I mentioned to them in our little post wrap. It's this, for whatever reason, the chord that they strike. It, I cannot wait to share with people more liberally, mm. um, more so than I do some of our episodes. Sometimes I just sort of sit on these and keep them to myself. But um, they deliver a message of empowerment based in science and experience and repetition um, that I really think will resonate with a, a wide cast of, of people out there 
I agree. It's really, there's a, a complete rejection of fear. There really is not fear in their messaging. It is send us your sample. We're going to observe, tell you what we see, and then we're going to, we're going to send you off with the tools and the knowledge and the information to, to control your own health, to control your own destiny. Yeah. And another thing that they reminded me of is, and that I, I think this is going to be next on my list is to find an osteopath, which I is, know. right? Agreed. It's, I mean, it's like the, one of the first things on my list. I want to do, I'm going to do the, the, um, a consultation, mm-hmm. the holographic blood consultation, which isn't, it's not cheap. However, I look at it and, I'm, and I go, well, if this might actually be the most important sort of analysis that I've ever had done and it's 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, c- compare that to, you know, like a premium for health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's like a no brainer to go this route. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to go down that, that path. That's incredible. It's like going, it's submitting, it's like Veda Austin, Austin for your blood. But, the, but then the, like those next steps, right? Um, because I don't know yet what the, what the results are going to say or exactly the, like the sort of treatment plan. I, I mean, they're not, as they said, they're not doctors. They're not telling anyone what to do. Um, however, finding an osteopath and then they kept coming back to acupuncture as well, which is really cool, particularly uh, on the heels of the conversation with Dimitri and the mm-hmm. tau patch and how mm-hmm. that's interacting with the acu like acupressure points. Um, those are those are two arrows that are missing in my quiver. Like I've actually never done acupuncture in my life, hmm. never been. Yeah, I've had. I've, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but I had incredible results from it, and it's sort of silly that I haven't been back because that was 10 years ago. I've got, there's an acupuncturist that her office is right next to the gym where I go. Yeah. I could literally just go work out and then go see the acupuncture. I just haven't pulled, I haven't done it. I just haven't pulled that trigger, but you know how it is. Like sometimes we look at the habits that we're supposed to be stacking after 105 episodes (laughs) and uh, (laughs) you know, there's only so much time in the day, but I was, I was validated to hear that they both do Qigong because that is something that I've been trying to incorporate into every day. I don't do 20 minutes. I do like five, maybe five to seven, but, um, but I have noticed a big difference there just in starting the day with that kind of movement. And I think trying to be a little more disciplined about it. And I do want to reach back out to Adam and find out a little more about his 20 minute routine and just see if that's something that is shareable and easily integrated. Yeah, absolutely. I was also, and it's funny because they sort of took some shots at, at supplements, which is fine. And maybe I've been trying to sort of like, uh, sugarcoat my embrace of certain things like shilajit and dragon's blood and um i guess mushroom powders they're all in or is that the previous guest (laughs) we did two interviews today anyway i i'm trying to frame them as essentially foods but but i wonder if if i'm i'm just like blowing smoke up my ass on that one i i don't think so i think i think it's like anything that i think it's back to the nuance uh and that I think what they're trying to say is your first line, your first intervention should not be some heavy detox. There are these other things, these blockages that are the root cause. There are these blockages and these stagnations and scarring and and what have you. And doing a detox is not going to resolve that. You need to resolve those blockages. But we do know that there are foods and herbs uh, and, okay, dare I say supplements that can support those organs that then go on to do that work. Yeah. The do the detoxing work. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's obviously a place for that. 
right? Yeah. There's a place for functional mushrooms. They exist in nature. We should be consuming them. We know that they do. They have a positive impact on us. Yeah. It's. I think it's more that when their work and approach, which is backed by decades of experience and observation and application, is ignored in favor of a parasite right. cleanse. Sure. I think that's what is. is that's the knee jerk reaction. Yeah. yeah, and I and I and I understand that. Um, yeah. particularly around a parasite cleanse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, and folks, I, I recommend anyone who's listened to this episode might not have listened to some of our past episodes, but the, the Jacinth Nason's uh, episode is, I think, a must listen. I mean, this is the thread. What they're doing and what their, their father, Harvey Biggleson, is doing is, is a continuation of the work that started with Bechamp and the exploration of the microzyma. Um, Bechamp and Nasons and Rife and this exploration of the microzyma, the somatid, this like indestructible tiny body that is the origin of of life itself. And that's why this is the, the conversation with them. One, we've been trying to get them on for a while, uh, is foundational to terrain. I, I I believe that what they're doing, they are like the the Bechamp of our time. Their yeah. father, Harvey Biggleson, that that is the work of Bechamp continued. So it doesn't get more terrain than this. I can't wait to pick up some of their father's books. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the other thing, you know, the other thing I guess that's that might be a little bit lost on the listener who's not familiar with what they're doing particularly with like the holographic images. But there is this parallel. I mean, Emoto was the um the gentleman who preceded and inspired Veda Austin. So the work with like water and ice crystals. And there is this parallel between what Veda Austin is discovering in her collaborations with water, um, meaning the the images that that present on the crystallographs um, reflecting the energetic input that comes from a thought imparted to the water, the petri dish of water, or a word that's written on paper put under the petri dish of water, or a picture that's slid under the petri dish of water before it goes into the freezer. There's this this obvious parallel between the almost magical, like very surreal images that appear in the in the crystallographs and the holographs that they see in the blood, yeah. meaning like the blood is just carrying this holographic information of the root cause of your disease and it's observable using this technique is mind blowing because they have on their website images from their observations of the blood, the holographic images that clearly depict say a kidney or a spinal column. And that's the blood showing them through holograph, the root cause, what is causing whatever sort of illness or dis-ease is present in that person. And that's, that's, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I'm almost at a loss for words. And I think it's another one of those cases where I, you can't really explain, I can try to explain what Veda Austin is doing, but really you just have to go see and seeing is believing. And as they said, like the holograph isn't even really the thing. It's just the observations of the blood and their knowledge of uh, connecting what they're seeing in activity level of the somatids to what's probably causing distress in this person and this and this human. Yeah. That was thoroughly enjoyable. And I, I imagine we'll have them back um, in the future because we could, we could really go deep with those guys. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, we've, we've had our, the other, I mean, I just want to make one other observation that it was, uh, they don't believe in coincidences. Neither do we. It was interesting that the, 
the example that Josh used very early on in the conversation was of an electrosensitive person. Yeah, right. And that analyzing an electrosensitive person's blood. And we, ladies and gentlemen, the conversation with Adam and Josh came minutes after our conversation with Julia Lupin about her electrosensitivity. It's just, it's kind of bananas that that happened, yeah. um, that that lined up and that he would cho- choose that as an example. And I'm, I'm very, uh, I feel compelled once this episode comes out to send it to Julia because I think it'd be really interesting for her to have her blood analyzed by them to determine what else might be at play here. Right. Um, what might be like the root cause of her electrosensitivity. And then are there things that she can do to get to a place where she reverses that and can go exist in, in a city without all those symptoms that would be fascinating. Yeah. To somehow figure out what that scar tissue that needs to be released is yeah. l- lurking deep within. Yeah. I mean, he even mentioned that wonderful example of not wanting to get out of bed because he was a forceps baby. It's like, right. that's, that's some deep shit. And at the same time, it's also very obvious and simple. <laughs> it's very obvious and simple. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like equal parts looking forward to and dreading filling out this like history form. Mm. And I was, I was about to do it uh, earlier this morning in anticipation of this conversation with them and I was like I'm not going to rush this. Like yeah. they make it very clear that this is the most important part of the whole thing is is filling this out thoroughly. So I'm going to wait until tonight after I take my nice hot bath because I'm dealing with some sort of uh upgrade. I'm on the yeah. precipice of some sort of upgrade. Yeah. I take a yeah. hot bath, clear my mind. Yeah. And uh and then fill out this history form and and start this journey into the holographic blood consultation. That's really exciting. And you know, just real quick, that's exactly what Cowan would say when he was with a new patient is he would just ask question after question after we just really drill down and try to get the story. Yeah. And usually uh, through, through a series of questions, the root cause or the offending uh, whatever ended up being would present itself. And the person would usually self-discover it just by ask, answering his questions. I, I wonder, I suspect that, what I will unearth is that I'm probably whatever, whatever sort of malady I feel in my life, um, whatever's holding me back, whatever's blocking me is probably because of the guilt I feel over smashing an empty Newcastle bottle against the whale wall in Portsmouth. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. All all roads lead back to our hooliganism. Oh my God. But, but I think I probably mentioned this via text last time I was in Portsmouth, you know, that the whale wall is no more. It's no more. Yeah. End of an era. The shards of glass remain. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and the trauma within your body remains. <laughs> yeah, you can take the boy out of Portsmouth, but <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. One day, someday, Michael, before you and I reach the end of our roads, we should go back to Portsmouth with empty Newcastle bottles and just yeah. re- recreate. Absolutely, why not? And then yeah. maybe just get arrested and spend the night in jail. <laughs> Medi- Meditate. Put my notice writing skills to the task. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You'll have the law for mankind dialed. Yeah, we won't be going to jail, will we? Greetings to the man who at times acts as officer of, yeah, right. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, well, folks, nothing you heard here should be taken as medical advice as neither Mike nor I are medical experts. Remember that you are light, you are love. Health is simple. You are your primary healthcare provider. Thanks for tuning in. and We'll catch you on the next one.